Contractor's journey to self-mastery requires discipline, integrity, and respect. Welcome to Hammer and Grind. And welcome to the Hammer and Grind podcast, the podcast built for contractors to help maximize profits and get you off the tools before burnout or bankruptcy happens. I'm your host, Brad Hebner. And I'm here to help you on your journey to self-mastery. Make sure you check us out on our social media platforms, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook. Just search for Hammer and Grind Podcast and you'll be able to find me there. Consider joining my free Facebook group called the Contractor Profit Blueprint. I created this free group to give you as much information as possible to help you in your business. I go live in there once a week. Tons of content to help you in your business. Now, If you want to accelerate the success, consider joining my paid coaching group called The Profit Club. In there is a great community of contractors all willing to share information and help each other succeed, as well as hundreds of hours of training, coaching calls, everything you need to accelerate your business. If you want to learn more about that, you can find out more information on hammerandgrind.com forward slash The Profit Club. Or just send me a message and I'll be happy to share that with you. Now, let's get on to the show. All right, welcome back to the Hammer and Grind podcast. Today, I got a special guest on today. I want to introduce to you Aaron Henderson. Aaron is a product marketing manager for Stack Construction Technologies. Aaron Henderson is on a mission to scale contracting organizations, leveraging technology to increase efficiency and minimize risk. Over his career, Aaron has worked with top architecture engineering and construction industry leaders to streamline systems and develop strategies for more effective growth. Aaron, thanks so much for being on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, Brad. Happy to be here, man. So give us kind of a just a little bit of a background, how you got into construction, how you got into the software development game. Like, Just give us a 30,000 foot view if you don't mind. Yeah, I've got, I guess, kind of an interesting background. So I come at things from more of a business perspective, I guess, than than actual boots on the ground. But my whole background was I came out of school with a construction management degree and a business management degree. And honestly, never really realized how the two would kind of play together. But ultimately, kind of actually thought I just spent a little extra time in school than I needed to. But yeah. uh, anyway, but I actually I ended up working for a small consulting firm where we worked with architects, engineers and contractors all over the country, really around operational efficiency and overall kind of business strategy. And so that's kind of how I got into the industry. About five years ago, I had an opportunity to move over to the technology side of the business and has been really cool. It's something I noticed working with contractors was was one of the fastest ways that they could get efficiency out of what they were doing was to implement the right technologies. And so it was just a a really natural transition over to the technology side and kind of continue the same thing, man, get to work with contractors every day, hear about their business, what they're doing, and just see if we can help, you know, help make them better. Yeah. And I've I've never actually mentioned this before. I I love technology. I'm a a tech nerd. And so Mm -hmm. my first business that I ever started part-time was a I went to school for IT and so I uh, I started a computer business building computers building networks and stuff like that and it was just a part-time gig on the side but it was my first official you know licensed business so I've always come from the technology first approach 
And even yeah. when I started my business in 2009, you know, websites were kind of just somewhat new. A lot of guys didn't even have a website yet. Like mm-hmm. I was the first one to get a website. I was the first one to start collecting Google reviews. You know, I just mm-hmm. use technology to leverage that. And I always call it a, a force multiplier, right? When you yeah. can use technology to, to really increase that, that yeah. output, it's what allowed me to survive. So I'm, I want, I'm, I'm excited about having this conversation. We could probably talk for hours about technology, but <laughs> we'll try to try to keep it down a little bit. So yeah. in your experience, and, and I, I like the fact that you came from the business side more so than up through the tools, because and I just had this conversation recently, you know, if, if you're a one man show swinging the tool, you know, on the tool, swinging the hammer, like you can mm-hmm. make a good living doing that. Yeah. But if you really want to grow a business, like it's a totally different mindset. It's a totally yeah. different skill set. And you have to switch from, you know, craftsman to businessman. Yeah. And so I always say, you know, guys that go around saying, I'm an electrician, I'm a mm-hmm. remodeler, like that's their identity. It's wrapped yeah. around the craft. And then you have people are like, I build, you know, I want to build a remodeling company or I own a remodeling company. And I just think it's two different mindsets. Do you, would you agree with yeah. that? I do. I definitely do, man. And I think, you know, it's so many of us get into business because we're, we're really good at something. Right. And I always, I refer to it as working, you know, in the business versus working on the business. Right. And just because we're really good at swinging a hammer or doing something doesn't necessarily mean we're, we're a business person. And so I think, you know, it takes somebody to, you know, really entrepreneurial to go out there and, and turn their craft into a business. But then too, it means that we've got to add to what we're doing, our knowledge base, and kind of how we look at everything. I think it one of the toughest things I see is that contractors, they're so good, it's really hard for them to sort of let go what they're good at personally and trust that kind of next tier, that next layer. You know, I think that first hire, when you first start to turn things over to somebody else, being able to trust that person is something that, that that's a, a big kind of breaking point, I think, for a lot of people. And so, yeah, I think that's the whole mindset, man, is, is going from the trade guy to being the business guy. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. I, I've always said that a lot of guys that that do really well are the ones that that start a construction based business and they've never actually swung a hammer, right? They don't, they never actually done it, and so they they can't go out and do it. They they can't say, "Oh, I'm going to come and save the day, mm-hmm. put on the tool belt, and make everything fix." You know, fix everything. They yeah. don't know how to do it, so yeah. like they don't have the option of doing that. Would you agree with that? I definitely do, man. And I think you know, it's it's. <laughs> There's pluses and minuses to both sides of it, right? Sure. But, but I think of it every day from a technology standpoint. If I could really get into code and develop and do all those kinds of things, I'd probably cross over a lot of boundaries that I that I shouldn't. And so I'm kind of more dependent on my team and the the people around me. And so it kind of keeps me in my lane a little bit that I can't go over and do what they do. And so yeah, no, I think I think you see that a lot. I think some of the more successful people sometimes are the people that just stay focused on, you know, what they do really well and let the people around them kind of do what they do. You know, that said, there's there's definitely room for both sides and advantages to both sides of that. So Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into kind of um the the processes because a lot of what you've background and what you've helped other, you know, firms and stuff with is, is really like process management and stuff like that. So what do you see construction companies doing wrong in terms of how they create processes and systems in their business? I think the, uh, the first thing I see is, is just not 
creating processes and procedures, right? It's just, <laughs> I've, I've done it this way for, you know, 10 years, 20 years or whatever it's been. And, and that's just the way that we do it. And we like to think that people are going to learn from us through osmosis. And I think that maybe works at a certain scale, right? For the first couple of hires, those kinds of things, you know, apprenticeships, you can kind of learn from each other. But I think at some point you've got to get to a place where you're really documenting those things. Um, and I think another thing that people tend to do is when they do start to document, they they get into too much detail. And I don't think document documenting process documenting process has to be a really laborious kind of a, an activity. It's just it's sort of just setting like what are the big guidelines or the parameters, and let the people be creative. Let them do what they want to do within those processes. But just know that we want to keep you know what are the guide rails that we want to have as a business. And I think those are the things that sort of allow allow companies to now bring in more people and they can kind of follow our guide rails, but sort of do their thing within those. But I think the biggest thing is, man, just just getting them down in some format, not spending too much time on them to start. And you can always add to them as you go. Yeah, I think one of the, even for myself, when I started kind of documenting and creating checklists in my business, mm-hmm. the the number one thing, we'll get into this a little bit later, but like the number one system that everyone wants to fix is their estimating system, right? Because it's such a yeah. huge, complex, time-wasting activity. But even, mm-hmm. in, even in, in systems in general, they look at it and they're like, wow, this is a major, major, you know, system, if you will, that I have to create and it's overwhelming and like they don't know where to start. Right. And so it's just like, how would you, how would you suggest to someone the best way to get started if they've never really started creating processes or something? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, looking at estimating as a whole, like you said, pre-construction, man, is a big deal. So much time gets wasted in in the pre-construction phase and we take on projects we shouldn't and, and all those kinds of things. You know, I think the the first step of, of getting started is is just, I mean, create, it's going back to like grade school almost. It's like, what's the outline for what I want, right? It's, it's, here's the big five steps and you can always come back and add to them. But I think it's, it's, just taking that very first step of just starting to get something down. Specifically around estimating, I think it's starting to define what projects we know we can be successful at and setting those parameters so that we can kind of get some, I call them go, no go variables, right? Like I know that if I have a project in a certain area or for a certain type of client, we just tend to not be successful on those. I think get those out of your way as early as possible so that you can kind of start to focus your time and attention to the projects that you know you really have a chance of, of being successful with. So I think it's starting as big as you can to, to weed stuff out early, and then that allows you to focus more time and attention to the projects that really matter. So just to, just to make sure I understand that, kind of like a 30,000-foot view, like just look at a big scheme and say, who do I want to work for, who do I not, or what type of projects do I want to do, and what type, you know, what's most important that we get right, and what's something we want to make sure, you know, we don't get wrong or whatever. And then you can yeah. kind of narrow it down. You bet, man. Um, I think, you know, one of the things I say a ton is, is, is we say a lot more about who we are as business people by what we say no to than what we say yes to. You know, I think, I think you can weed out a lot of stuff that you're not going to be successful at pretty early if you get some of that stuff down. Well, you know, I, this is a little bit off topic, but a lot of times I, I, I talk to contractors and stuff and, and I've done videos on this, but, you know, we believe that if the phone rings, like that's our customer. And and now I have to sell them somehow. Like it's my job to sell that person. Yeah. It's like, no, just because the phone rings doesn't mean that's, that's going to be a good, you know, a good fit for you. So 
Yeah, no, it's without a doubt. And I mean, we run into it on, on the technology side, too. We we always want to think that everybody who calls us or talks to us is a is the right customer. And I think, you know, it's hard to say no. It's really hard to say no sometimes. But when we do, I just feel like that comes back to us tenfold. Usually, you know, if if, if I tell somebody, hey, I'm not the right software for you, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that same person be really appreciative that we told them that and that we were straight up up front. And then they go on to refer us or tell somebody else who is a better fit for us about us. And, and it just becomes a way better sales cycle for the right opportunity. And I think, you know, same thing in construction for sure. Yeah. That's one of the things I teach to my clients is, you know, we're, even if you can't do them, even if it's somebody that you want to, but you just, the time frame doesn't work, you're, you know, don't mm-hmm. you actually be nice to them. <laughs> like, yeah. like actually try to help them. <laughs> don't just yeah. not call them back because you're too busy. Because you don't know yeah. who that person knows, how that's going to come back to you. So I think that applies yeah. in pretty much anywhere. Have you yeah. have you read the book, A Checklist Manifesto? I actually don't think I have, man. I think I've done about 90% of the business books that are out there, but I don't think I've done Checklist Manifesto. I just recently read it. It's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It was written from a, a doctor who kind of helped start the uh, putting checklists in the emergency rooms and stuff. I've heard about it. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, yep. and he went and interviewed a construction, like one of the leading construction companies, and he interviewed some airplane, you know, manufacturers and stuff. How they create checklists mm-hmm. for the airline industry. A really yep. good read. He mm-hmm. said in there one thing that was, I thought was really profound. He said, you know, checklists are not really designed to like to to teach you how to do the really hard stuff. The the checklists mm-hmm. are designed to prevent you from doing dumb stuff. It's to get the dumb stuff right. Yeah. Would you agree with yeah. that? Or, Yeah, man, definitely. And I think it's all phases of construction, right? I mean, it starts with pre-construction, goes all the way through the project. But it's, it's, it's kind of that thing of a little bit to what I was saying before is, is those parameters are just to, they're not to, to sort of like put handcuffs on us or to limit us from what we can do. It's to get the stuff out of the way that we don't want to waste our time thinking about. Right. Like just get that stuff out of the way. And now my best technicians, my best people, my project managers, my superintendents, my foreman can be out there and they can focus on the stuff they do really, really well. But it's just sort of standardizing, systematizing those those basic things that we all have to do. Get that out of the way. Let me focus on the the more high payoff activities is usually the way I kind of refer to it. I, I remember uh, the very first time I implemented a, a checklist in the in our bathroom remodel project we were doing. And one of the one of the things on the checklist was like pre drywall installation, right? And that's where we're like checking the plumbing, we're checking electrical, we're checking everything, the mechanicals, to make sure everything's correct. And one of the things on there was check the plumbing, electrical, and make sure there's strike plates installed. You know, strike plates mm-hmm. that go cut on the nail onto the wood to cover the electrical and plumbing. And the electrician yeah. didn't do it. We had used a different electrician, and he did not put any yeah. strike plates on. And so that yeah. checklist caught that. And then we end up putting strike plates on, right? Well, fast forward mm-hmm. later in the project, we're installing the cabinet, trying to screw a mm-hmm. cabinet, trying to screw the the cabinet screw into the back, and we hit a strike plate. It was right there yeah. where that where that wire was. They had put that wire yeah. right at the exact height of our where we put our screw. So that saved us. You know, the, if we would have just say, man, that's save the project, right? Like you end up upside down in that thing really fast oh, yeah. if you didn't check. One box, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, just putting one screw through the wire would have just, we would have had ripped out drywall, redone all that. I mean, it would set us back for two weeks. 
So after mm-hmm. that happened, I was like, yeah, checklist. You're my fan. I love you. So, I mean, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of the premise of like that. It kept yeah. us from doing something dumb. It didn't teach mm-hmm. us how to like install everything and how to do the actual work. Yeah. So, and, and yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I mean, that's, that's exactly it. It's, it's, I don't want my guys out in the field worried about those little things, make those the checkbox items, make sure, and, you know, I say little things that turn into big things, but check the box on those things and let them, you know, build the relationships and do everything else that they do out there to make sure that the customer's happy. So, yeah, absolutely. And there's, and I mean, let's be honest, construction, there's so many moving parts. Like it's, it's definitely not an easy industry to systematize completely because, you know, mm-hmm. you could interview 50 different companies and there's 50 different ways of doing it. Right. Mm-hmm. So in regards to like estimating, what, mm-hmm. what's the main thing you see companies doing wrong when they, when they do estimating in general? I think it kind of goes back to that little bit of conversation around trying to say yes to everything, right? Like you said, as soon as somebody calls you, we, we just want to say, yes, that's our project. We're going to get it. And I think, I think it it's that, and we're such a boom and bust industry. You know, we, we kind of want to take everything that we can take when we can take it, you know, make hay when the sun shine. And, and I think it's, I think it's that I think it's starting to try to weed out projects and kind of back to your checklist, you know, back to the checklist manifesto. It's having a checklist of what, you know, of what things do we look at on a project that makes sense for us. And it's it's again, it's that reminder, right, of like, hey, this project, you know, if I check these three boxes, that's a good project. If I don't check the boxes, it's not. And being able to say no to that. Um, and I think that's what frees us up to to get the right projects, to spend the right time so that we're working for the right clients, you know, all those kinds of things. I think that's the biggest thing is just get the projects that we're, we're not going to be good at out of the way quick. As far as like when you're doing the estimating, like when you once you've identified the right, you know, client job that we want to work for, do you yeah. notice anything that, I mean, everybody hates estimating, right? It's probably the least favorite mm-hmm activity of any unless you're an estimator like you just you know you wake up in the morning like i get to go estimate it's just it's it's not an activity that most people like doing so i mean do you have any tips and tricks obviously software is going to help this out tremendously yeah not to be yeah self-serving in in any regard but you know i think that's for us there's a lot of software out there that can help with it they can kind of streamline things and make stuff faster i mean i still talk to contractors every day that are doing takeoffs by hand, you know, they're, they're going in and doing counts of every little thing that's out there or, you know, building, building their estimate on a word document or an Excel spreadsheet. And there's just, there's software out there that can help you with that. They can help create templates. They can allow you to do takeoffs really quick so you can get material quantities and, you know, understand where you're at with, with that. Um, I think it's, it's being accurate. You know, the more accurate that we are on estimates, every, I always say projects are made in the estimate, right? If, if we bid stuff correctly, you know, there's a lot better chance that we're going to come out good on the back end of that thing. And I think it plays into every aspect of construction. I mean, it's, if we bid something wrong, we come in too cheap. Now, all of a sudden, when we're out in the field working on it, we're working faster and harder trying to, to get to the dollar that we said we would get to. We had an interesting conversation around here not too long ago, but I think it was during safety week last year and somebody said, well, estimating software doesn't really play into safety. And I said, absolutely it does. It plays into every facet of construction. If we bid projects incorrectly, we're now out there trying to make up that money in the field. And that's when stuff starts to get dangerous. So, you know, I think it's, it's, 
leveraging everything that we can, whether it's technology or, you know, even having our own standard templates ourselves or whatever we do to try to bid stuff as accurately as we can so that we know that we're going to come out good on it. I want to take a slight direct different direction on this. And I, cause I do have some yeah. listeners that are like right in the very beginning stages of, of trying to start a construction business. I have one actually messaged me this morning. He's like, Hey, I'm trying to get into the, the pool and backyard space. Do you have any recommendations? So what would you tell someone who's really new or doesn't have an idea? Like where should, what's the best way to start to get accurate information about estimating? And I don't mean like what prices, I just mean like where's a good resource or where could they start to get information? Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, so there's, it's probably twofold, right? It's just, but I, I think there's a couple of things. One, there are good softwares out there that can help you. There are, you know, price databases and things like that, that you can start to get some pricing things. To tell you the truth, man, I think the biggest thing, take technology and everything else out of the picture is, is talking to and working with your suppliers and knowing, knowing where, you know, where they're at with stuff. I think, Every contractor we have, no matter the size of the scale, is they've got good relationships with their suppliers. They know that they're getting the right pricing on stuff. They know what materials people are using and what areas, you know, all those kinds of things. So I would say start with your suppliers and then, you know, leverage anything else that you can out there, whether it be technology or, you know, some of the standard price books and, and those kinds of things. Uh, they're generally pretty high level, but, but it can at least give you a good idea where to start, I think. Yeah, that's, I would agree with that. Your your suppliers are going to be a really value, valuable resource. And I've always said, you should definitely be befriending your suppliers. Like you should be, yeah. like you're not going to go wrong if you bring them donuts, you know, every once in a while. <laughs> like that's going to, that's going to go pretty far. It goes both ways, right? I mean, yeah. I, hopefully we get to a place that they're courting us, but man, in the beginning, especially we, you got to be out there courting them. And you know, it's construction is a team sport, man. I mean, we we tend to get some divides sometimes between, you know, the trade contractors and GCs and suppliers and, you know, all those kinds of things. But at the end of the day, the the most successful are the ones that that form good teams and good partnerships for sure. Awesome. I want to talk a little bit about um, construction handoffs. Could you talk a little bit about how to streamline that process? Yeah, uh, I love talking about the handoffs. It's projects for me are made and lost in the handoff, right? It's it's that handoff, it's especially depending on the size of the team and those kinds of things. But it's that handoff from estimating to the project team, from the project team to anybody that's handling financials and and you know doing the books on the back end. There's so much information that gets lost because we go through. You know, if we're looking at a project and and you know before it starts, and we're making all these lists and doing all these things and we're digging into this project. And then all of a sudden, you know, maybe it, it might be a couple of weeks before we get started. It might be a month or more before we actually get started on it. And we find ourselves in this place where we didn't write anything down. We didn't document anything in that. And now we go back through and we do the whole thing again. And it's like, you know, I think the more that we can document those things and probably spend just, if you are working on a team where you've got multiple players involved, take 30 minutes during the handoff to talk about the handoff, you know, and, and walk through everything that you did. Cause I think that 30 minutes can be invaluable as you get down a project. You know, you, if you can share just a little bit of inside information, what you found out during the pre-construction phase with somebody who's actually doing the project, that's going to save them a ton of time if they get halfway into the project and they realize something that you could have just told them in a quick conversation at the front end. So a lot of that just comes down to communication and documentation, I think. Yeah, I've talked a little bit about it, you know, effective communication. We get uh, we get caught up and I'm just as guilty, but it's like, 
The guy calls you on the job site. Hey, boss, what about, you know, what's going on with this one thing? I don't, there's not any information. You're like, you know, you're doing something, you're frustrated. So you just send a quick text. Just do this. Mm -hmm. Right. And then that leads to like 15 more questions after that. When really, if you just took an extra minute and just kind of like gave them a well thought out reply with all the information they needed, like you would never get another message. But because we're so busy and because a lot of us are like wearing 18 hats at once, it's always just quick responses, quick responses. I need to solve this as quickly as possible. And that's where a lot of that stuff happens, I, I believe. Yeah, it's, and I, you know, I don't know if you'll agree with me on this or not. And this may, may be a little bit of a, an old school kind of a view of stuff, man. But for me, it's, I love text messaging. I love the speed of it, you know, all those things that we can do. But sometimes it's just pick up the phone, right? Yeah. Like if you just pick up the phone, you there's so much more that we gain from a quick conversation than we might from a, a quick text. And I know when we're busy and we've got so much going on and we're putting out fires, sometimes picking up the phone seems too cumbersome. But man, if a if a couple minute phone call can save us a few hours down the road because somebody learned something that they that you know that they wouldn't have through text, it's worth a it's worth a phone call. And I think even you know a step further than that is 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 us as owners and managers and all these things is trying to be out in the field with the guys, checking in on projects as much as you can. I mean, you just you learn stuff, and you can't be on every project every day, but. If you can be out there at least some, you start to identify little things that we can uh, that we can you know make better or help train people up on and those kinds of things that hopefully prevent maybe the text message or the need for communication in the in the first place. So, and I like what you said earlier too about you know taking the time in the beginning because this also applies when you're out there meeting with the customer you know at the job site and you're kind of going over some stuff and you're like man I just want to get out of here like I don't want to spend I don't. I don't want to spend another 30 minutes getting all these measurements. You know, they're probably not going to hire us anyways. It's, I can tell they're going to be a waste of time. I'll just, I'll get those later. And then you end up mm-hmm. getting the job. And then guess what? You got to go back out there. You know, I got to yeah. get some more measurements. And so we're like, we shortcut these processes the entire time. And they always come back and bite us in the butt. Yet we don't ever fix that. Yeah, man, I think... It, for me, the simple solution to that is is if it's not worth the time to do it right, it's not worth being out there in the first place, right? Yeah. Like, you know, if, if I'm if I'm out there and I'm working on a bid and I'm I'm only doing half what I need to on it because I don't think I'm going to get it, there's maybe a good chance I feel that way. So, I, my advice to anybody that feels like that is is focus on the ones that matter, right? And and then spend the time to do it right. Yeah, that's, I mean, I agree 100%. Do you agree on that? Oh, yeah. Is that 100%? Yeah. 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 I mean, we, we, yeah. one of the things that we teach in the, in my group is pre qualifying people over the phone, right? So we don't do free mm-hmm. estimates. We don't run out yep. there and do 20 estimates a week and hope we get two of them. And it's just a numbers game. Like we, that's, that's yeah. silly. So we really yeah. focus on understanding the, you know, what's important to them and really pre-qualify them over the phone. And then we're getting paid to go out there and do a consultation with them. Because mm-hmm. if if I'm getting paid, like now, now I'm definitely interested and I'm going to be doing the right thing. And so that goes back to what yeah. you said, which is know who your customers are and really pick the mm-hmm. ones that, that matter that you want to do and then focus on them and give them the best service that you possibly can. Yeah, I think I think it's something that we need to focus on as contractors is exactly that. There's 
there's a huge level of professional services that we provide, right? And we don't think about them that way. We don't think of being consultants, or, or but we are. And we're coming out and we're teaching these people how to do projects, right? Good contractors do it. Bad ones don't. And bad ones just go out, they bid at volume. Yeah, they might be cheaper. Yeah, they might be this. Yeah, they might be that. But the homeowner doesn't or the, or the you know, whoever the owner is doesn't get the the right result on the back end. But if, if you're out in front of it and getting paid for professional services and working with the owner and um, understanding the project, there's, there's a ton of value in that. I think contractors need to know it for sure. Oh yeah. And and that's where it kind of segues perfectly to the next thing, which is just technology yeah. in general, because, you know, when you're back, whenever you just had a phone book and a phone, a landline, mm-hmm. not even a cell phone, like, and everything was written out, you know, it was a lot slower and just things kind of, you would focus on one thing at a time, essentially, right? Now, yeah. with, with the speed of everything happening, how do you see technology, and I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this, but how do you see technology going forward? How important yeah. is it going to be in construction? So, I mean, I think, you know, obviously as the technology guy, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate. I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. That said, I think, I think it can be overwhelming. You know, I think sometimes we, there's this, this line that I use a lot is like tech for tech's sake. Like, don't just go out and, and get technology because you feel like you should, or because somebody told you you needed to. It's, it's technology needs to solve real problems. Right. And so I think the first step in it is, you know, I mean, your, your question is, 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 is where's it going? How important is it? And I think ultimately it's super important. I think it's the thing that will probably start to differentiate contractors more and more, you know, as we go in the, in the years to come, um, you know, something I talk to people about a lot is, is we're all in the technology business. It, you know, it, it's just, what are you doing with the technology? You know, and we, as contractors, we spend a ton of money on, on tools out in the field and, and all these kinds of things, but we don't necessarily think about investing in tools for the back office. Um, and so, you know, I think the first step is just identifying what problems do we actually have? What's slowing us down? Where are, you know, is it in the handoffs? Is it, where is it? Where are we losing money? And I think that can be the toughest thing, but I think once you start to do that, we can then start to identify what technologies actually make sense and sort of bite them off, you know, prioritize them and bite them off in, in, in a way that we can do it well. You know, another thing I see a lot of people do is they, they go out and they try to get all these different pieces of technology all at once. It's overwhelming. They don't end up implementing any of them. That's me. And I, you know, I see, <laughs> That's me. Yeah. Yeah. I have my office manager <laughs> after she started for me a few months in and we had switched our, our management software three times. Now, to be uh-huh. fair, I had, I had one for five years and then right after she uh-huh. came on board, I'm like, I need a better system. And so when we switched the three, you know, three times or two more times after that, she finally set me down. She's like, Brad, you're not allowed to like get a new piece of technology until we figure these other things out. Like she's put Uh her foot down and I I appreciate it. Like that's the kind of people I want on my team, actually. You bet, man. My joke is always it's it's when I come in and there's a good office manager in place, I go, I know who runs this business. It's a good office manager is worth their weight in gold every time, man, for sure. And I'll tell you, we've seen we see a lot of that. We see the 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 office manager a lot of time will do some of the accounting or different things, just kind of depending. There are a lot of times the people to help vet technology, but the single best thing is being able to say no. <laughs> We've taken on too much or where we're at. Get office manager will help you with it every time. 
Yeah, absolutely. Do you, I'm kind of curious though, this is a little bit off topic a little bit, but like even technology in terms of like tools, like, you know, 3D now, a lot of stuff's 3D. I I see the future of you have plans created and now you put on VR headsets and see the entire thing before you ever build it. Like how important do you think that's going to really end up being down to like, I mean, obviously in commercial industrial, that's probably going to have a much more, you know, pliable application. But even like yeah. down to like the the small town, you know, home builder or remodeling company, yeah. like how how do you see that working out? And, you know, it's interesting. We're like an industry of like of haves and have nots to some regard, right? We've got these big, massive commercial guys who are out here doing this crazy stuff with augmented reality and robots and drones and all these things. And I think I think too often technology just kind of gets lumped into a bucket. It's just technology. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's opportunity for all that stuff. I think, you know, in time, a lot of that will come around, but I think today, a lot of it is, is just, we got to walk before you run, Mm. Um, you know, and I, I think I don't, what scares me is people being deterred from technology because they think just a simple estimating software or a simple project management software is the same thing as having a drone. It's just not, you know, they're, they're, they're different things or augmented reality or, or Google glass and these things. So, you know, I think it's, it's walking before we run. I think it's identifying what matters and not being afraid of technology because we view it as, you know, some like crazy sort of like out there thing, but there's just more boots on the ground frontline technology that I think we need to start looking at. You know, I think those things we're starting to see, across the trades at every level, right? Just the basic project management software, estimating software, you know, hopefully financial software. Uh, uh, But I think we need to kind of segment those things and look at those a little bit differently, maybe than we do some of those more, you know, forward thinking out in front things that we hear about. You know, that said, I, I hope that more of that, you know, technology starts to come down to, to, you know, the residential side of construction and, and those kinds of things. But I think a lot of that's a long way out. I really do. You would probably agree though. Like you can't just put your head in the sand and be like, Oh, I'm not going to adapt technology. Like you have to like, at, you have to have some level of staying, keep keeping up with the paces, if you will, to a certain degree. Yeah. Like you don't have to be the guy in the front, oh. but you can't be yeah. still back at the starting line waiting to, to start. I mean, would, would yeah. you agree with that? I definitely do. Yeah, no. And I think it's like, it's the whole thing of, of it's got to solve problems. We, you know, we don't just want it to have it, but we, we have to solve problems. And I think we kind of have to prioritize it based on it. But without a doubt, I mean, the, the more that we look at it and we even on the technology side, we see this, but it's, it's, you can't just be okay with status quo, man. You gotta, you gotta be looking. And I think project owners, they, whether or not you're fully leveraging it or using it, the fact that you're even just thinking about it and paying attention to it and know what's coming matters to a lot of people too. And you just, yeah, you definitely can't put head in the sand. You got to be looking at at what's, what's coming down the road. Yeah, I would agree. Like I'm I'm sure, you know, chat GPT, right? Like that's the talk of everything (laughs) right now. And and it it is going to disrupt a lot of stuff this year. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. And I had mm-hmm. a conversation yesterday on our marketing call with with my clients about, you know, not that they have to use it, not that they have to like completely know everything about it, but they should at least keep up with how it could potentially affect your business and how it affects things going forward. And so just really just investing the time and learning more about it. You don't have to be the expert mm-hmm. at it. You don't even have to use it. You just need to understand the the trends of how that's going to affect you in the in the future. 
<laughs> you bet. I mean, I think, yeah, the more, the more you look out, I mean, it's kind of that whole thing of like, shoot, you know, shoot for the moon, you end up in the stars. I think, I think that's it is like, you don't have to be the furthest one out, but even looking at just chat GPT, you might start to identify other things where you go, Oh, this would be cool. Or let's look at this or that. So I think making time for technology and innovation and just paying attention to it, it matters, man. It definitely does for sure. Yeah. I mean, we've used it just for like creating simple checklists, right? Mm -hmm. Very simple ones. We've used it for creating job descriptions. Like, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it saves you time for that. But Plans, outlines, and, and things like that. I think there's a lot from a business aspect of, you know, it may not be perfect, but it's going to give you a starting point. Yeah. And we're, we're, we've, we've leveraged it around the office a ton. Yeah. It's kind of fun. I mean, yeah. Who, yeah that's, what, that's what I'm saying. Like for me, it was, be, I was the first guy with a website, right? Like that's kind of sometimes being the tip of the spear. So I want to transition a little bit to, to stack your software that you guys offer and just kind of get a little bit of information about that. I was looking, I was going to pull up the website here. And so yeah. what, what's like the main thing that you guys, what's the prob- main problem that you guys solve with Stack? So we, we started more on the pre-construction side of the business. And so our whole goal was really around takeoff and estimating software and trying to streamline that, that process as much as we could. And we work, we work across the trades. We have a, our primary focus is around trade subcontractors. We work both in residential and commercial. But more recently here in the last two years, we've made a couple acquisitions where we brought in more project management. And so now for us, it's really trying to connect up that end to end and really streamline. I mean, you kind of hit with the handoffs is, is if we can keep everything that we do from pre-construction through project closeout in the same place, we want to do that. And I think there's a lot, you know, there there are, you know, other softwares out there that do similar stuff, but I think this focus to the trade contractors is is the thing that really sort of sets stack apart and what we're really focused on is is just bringing that end-to-end solution for the construction process. Well, the one thing I was looking at when I was checking it out was the just the takeoff itself, like just the software, mm-hmm. how you can just straight up do takeoffs on a set of plans. I mean, there's other, I know there's other softwares that can do that and I know there's other companies that will do takeoffs for you which yeah. may or may not be good, right? Because you're putting your entire project in the hands of somebody else you don't know, like for their accuracy, mm-hmm. <laughs> which to me sounds yeah. a little crazy, but it depends on the complexity yes. of what, what they're doing. Well, and what, what we do, we, we actually offer the software to the contractor to do their own takeoff. Right. So, so, so they would log in and do their own takeoff, which is, you know, can be a huge time savings. And I think one of the biggest differentiators for Stack 2 is the fact we're 100% cloud-based. So a lot of contractors right now are trying to figure out, you know, they may have these old legacy on-prem softwares that they're trying to, you know, keep up to date and they're trying to do all these different things. But with the cloud-based software, we're keeping everything up to date for you. You know, we're locking down your security for you. We're keeping all your data safe for you. And it just prevents the contractor from having to be their own IT shop on the back end, right? Like that they can now, they've got everything in the cloud. We're there for them, just kind of making sure that all that stuff works well. Oh, I mean, for sure that, you know, I remember when, whenever, you know, whenever Amazon came out, it's like, is it safe to buy stuff off the internet? You know, like, I mean, <laughs> we've come a long ways from there. You yeah. know, I, I see contractors are like, I don't want to pay for QuickBooks, you know, online. I like the desktop version. I don't, you know, it's like, okay, this is going back to that conversation about, are you being left in the dust? Or are you keeping your head in the sand or cloud-based software is, I mean, there's really no other way that you should be doing it, in my opinion. 
No, it's it's huge. And I think more so today than than ever. Right. I mean, I've been in too many construction offices where we've got a server stored in a back yeah. closet, you know, over there, or whatever. And people feel comfortable because it's there. But what they don't understand is is all the secu- it's not that secure. Right. Like we've got, you know, we, we've got technology people who are doing nothing, but we have a chief security officer, all these people who are doing nothing but all day monitoring what's happening out there and just making sure that we're doing everything we can to prevent any kind of you know information leak or anything like that. I think the other thing that we see from the cloud standpoint is, is especially after COVID and these things, is a lot of people are going more remote. You know, I know all of us are having trouble getting the right, you know, tradespeople, you know, hiring and these kinds of things. And I think the more flexible that we can be and allow people to work where they want to work, you know, when they want to work, those kinds of things is a really, it's a big thing in hiring right now. And that's the beauty of cloud-based technology is, you know, we don't have to be in the same office next to each other right now. We can be looking at stuff together real time, know what's happening and kind of let people be as flexible as they want to be. So a lot of big advantages to the cloud. I think You said you focus mainly on the pre-construction, but you guys also do like field productivity and, and the entire project management, right? I mean, it's, you can do the whole thing. We do. We do. Yeah. So, and that's, that's a little bit newer to us, but is, is, is absolutely where we're headed is, is full on project management all the way through to close out. So some unbelievable tools as far as being able to carry plans with you on your iPad, you know, you can mark things up, do all your punch listing, communicate with, you know, any of your trade contractors or suppliers right through the app, track the project, schedule things out, everything. If you get into a level of commercial with some like RFIs and submittals and those kinds of things, we can absolutely do those kinds of things as well. What What is like, and I don't, I haven't studied every one of them and I don't, I don't know exactly, but like compared to like other softwares out there, the main players, you guys really have more emphasis on the 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 plans and the takeoff side of it, right? Is that mm. is that fair? We we do. And so, you know, it's for us, for a lot of our projects, for a lot of our contractors, the plans are they're like that single source of truth, man. It's like it's where everything comes back to. And even if it's a small project that we sketch up on our own, I think there's there's still just this aspect of if we can have if we can have that be that source of truth, that no matter who we're talking to, we're all referring to and looking at the same thing. And so when I tell you that it's on the north wall right here that you need to fix that or change that or do something, we're all looking at it. And we all know we can kind of communicate off of that. If I just text you something and you can't have a visual of what that looks like or where that is, it becomes a lot more difficult to kind of communicate about. So we do have a lot of focus to to working from a plan set or 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 you know at least some kind of a visual for sure. Right. I I worked for a, a home builder, general contractor. We did light commercial strip malls and also built homes when I first got started. And he he was kind of a, let's just say he was cheap. <laughs> so we, we got a set of plans, like off the internet, you know, house plans. And uh, it, uh-huh. it called for like, I think it called for siding. Well, he wanted brick. No problem. But uh-huh. He didn't want to pay to have the plans redrawn with brick. Uh-huh. So it was just like, well, we'll just make some adjustments. Not only mm-hmm. that, the plans were reversed. And so we're like, you know, holding the plans oh, up no. in the air to see it. Well, yeah. we're almost done with the project. I'm checking it out. I was a superintendent and we get up and there's a stairs going up in the middle of the house and there's a landing and the handrails mm-hmm. installed and the landing is only like 30 inches wide, right? Doesn't meet mm-hmm. code, minimum 36. Yeah. Well, what happened was when we added the brick, um, mm-hmm. we added a basically yeah. eight inches it got lost mm-hmm. on that landing. 
Yeah. And so, and it was too late to do anything about it. The house was built. Yeah. And so like, oh, like man. you're saying with having that information on a, on a, you know, on a digital format and making sure that it's correct and you can see it and everybody has access to that, like to your point, like it's, it's, it starts with the set of plans that, you know, yeah. and, and that's where you're also going to see things that may not be right. Like things that mm-hmm. weren't done correctly when you're doing takeoffs yeah. and stuff. Well, it's exactly what we talked about earlier, right? It's the spend the time up front. You know, if we had if we done a new version of that that drawing, you know, and there's there's studies out there that talk about this, but you know, if we if we make a change in pre-construction before we ever start on anything, it's dollar for dollar. It's if if we it, we'll save save that dollar. If we get into starting the build, now all of a sudden that costs us ten dollars, right? It's gonna be 10x what it would have cost us to fix it during the design phase. And if we get all the way to we finish the project and we got to go back in and fix something, it's probably going to cost us a hundred times what it would have cost us just to fix that on the drawing in the very beginning. So, you know, there's a, a huge, huge cost savings if we can catch those things early. And I think having those visuals and doing those things and spending the time up front make a really big difference. Well, we're getting close to the end here. And I want to, I just want to like to ask a couple of questions. So, I mean, what would you say is the single biggest thing that contractors need to know and understand about? you know, whether it's pre-construction or construction management processes, I'll leave it up to you. Like what's mm-hmm. the, what's the big takeaway that, that you want them to have from this? I I think it's kind of where we started. I think if, you know, it's, it's, it's deciding one, if, if, if you want to be, you know, the person or the guy or the gal, and, and you just want to have a small lifestyle kind of a business, or if you really want to be a business person and you want to grow something that has, you know, more value beyond yourself. I mean, I think, I think if that's the route you want to go, there's investment you have to make in yourself and in your teams. And there's things that you have to do and they may not be the most comfortable, but, you know, I think if you really want to try to have an impact, it's, it's making that decision and then starting to do the things that you need to do to run a real business, whether it's, you know, process and procedure, hiring the right people, bringing stuff in. But I think it's, you know, technology, whatever it might be that you need to, to, to help scale what you're doing. You know, that's, I, I love people making big impact. And for me, that's something beyond just myself. And so, so for me, it's, it's making that decision and then, and then starting to make the moves and do the things that they, they need to do to move in that direction. Yeah. Well said. I, I agree with that hundred percent. One last question is what's a book that you're reading currently or, or one that you recommend? The uh, There's two that come to mind and and I've been thinking about them through the entire conversation with you. One is The E-Myth. Have you read The E-Myth? That's, that's number one book I recommend. It's it's an incredible book and there's also E-Myth for contractors and you know it's it's really great and it goes through, it, it leverages the E-Myth, but it's exactly that. It's it's stop working, you know, in the business, start working on the business. And along those lines, there's another one that that I like a lot, which is Traction by Gino Wickman. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with Traction? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, real real similar concepts. I like the. I think one of the coolest things that Gino does is is he he borrows liberally from a lot of different authors that are out there, different books, different concepts. He even references the E Myth, you know, a number of times. But he, you know, he, you know, just kind of lays out a really good process to start to 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 build a business from, and so I like that one a lot too. Awesome, yeah, both great books, especially the email. That's always my first book I tell people to read. If they're like, I yeah. just want to start reading books, start with the E Myth. Yeah, 
Every time. It's just Michael Gerber did a great job with the E-Myth. And I think for any entrepreneur, it's worth it. And, you know, it's it's cool, too, because some of it is stuff that we all kind of know, but we don't necessarily think about every day. Kind of back to the checklist thing. It's, it's those things you kind of know, but you just don't always remind yourself of. And so, you know, I think for any entrepreneur picking that thing up, you know, every so often and just rereading it, it'll just remind you of a lot of stuff that you need to be working on and doing. So big fan of the E-Myth. Absolutely. Well, Aaron, how can the people get a hold of you or your, you know, find out more information about your software? Like where can they go to get information on that? Yes. Technology can be a little, it can be complex and it can be a little confusing for a lot of folks. And so I'm always happy to talk to anybody, hopefully start to at least head them in a good direction with with what they're doing from a software perspective. They're welcome to reach out to me directly, A Henderson at stackct.com. Always happy to respond and, and help out. Not a sales pitch, but just want people to, to, to be able to run their business and do what they do well and happy to help if I can. Awesome. Aaron, thanks so much for being on the show, guys. And we'll put the, the links in the show notes, too, to be able to get in touch with them and Aaron and Stack. And if you want to check out their software for your project management and pre-construction, they got a really nice software suite there you can check out that could help you in your business. And you know where to find us, guys, on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. Just search for the Hammer and Grind podcast. And until next time, you know what to do. And remember, actually, I changed. See, I screwed up, Aaron, because I changed my tagline a couple of podcasts ago. I'm like in old mode. The new tagline. <laughs> until next time, guys. Remember, profit is not a dirty word. <laughs>